today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Elliot Tepper is with us, Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University. Let's talk about the Trump impeachment, where we are, and uh, obviously an incredible presentation uh, in regard to security footage and what happened uh, at the Capitol building back on January 6th. Elliot Tepper is with us now. Elliot, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. I am. Thank you, Scott, and uh, same to you. So uh, give us a little bit of update on where we are now. We understand that it will be uh, uh, Donald Trump's lawyers that are making their presentation today. We've heard that it will be less rather than more. Any any word on that? Yes. Uh, they, they now have 16 hours, should they wish to take it. Uh, it there's also a Q&A session. Uh, the... the uh, the rumor on this, the people who watch it closely say they don't plan to make a long defense. They're going to make their defense like in three hours, and then there'll be the Q&A. Then tomorrow will be the vote, and the vote will then, for the second time, uh, acquit Donald Trump uh, on, on an impeachment charge. Uh, obviously, we saw, I, I was watching a lot of it live um, uh, during and after the show of the presentation uh, that went on uh, the other day in regard to the security footage and, and some of the incredible behind-the-scenes uh, uh, activity that was going on as people ran uh, basically for their lives. Um, the, the president, President Biden, said um, that he thought it may have an impact. It'd be kind of hard to think how anybody could watch that and it not have an impact on them. But do you see this changing the vote at all? It seems that uh, the, the Republicans are going to vote with uh, Donald Trump anyway. Yes, it's tempting to say that, uh, for those of us who are old enough uh, to use this analogy, that actually the Trump uh, lawyers could actually be a monkey and an organ grinder, and it would make no difference in the outcome of the vote. In fact, the Trump defense team is putting on their, as we speak, putting on their defense. Uh, it's uh, Quite, quite strong. They are saying all the right things. Uh, they've been coached. Remember, this is a trial, and 100 senators are the, <laughs> are the jurors, but three of those jurors have been coaching the defense team on how to present their case. <laughs> Ted Cruz. And <laughs> it's really an unusual situation. Uh, <laughs> the golfing buddies of the president. But what we have is a situation where the defense is uh, putting on a rather strong uh, rebuttal uh, right now, as we speak, saying that they're not, no longer at the minute con- saying this is unconstitutional. They were trying very hard with a lot of Republican support. Forty-five out of 50 senators, you'll recall, said this couldn't even go forward. Forty-five out of 50 Republicans saying it's unconstitutional. But the Senate has dealt with that issue. They said, yes, it is constitutional to try a president once he's no longer in office. That's moot. Uh, so they're at the minute are not relying on that. They are relying very heavily on arguments that uh, saying, well, uh, it's not constitutional to say that, uh, that uh, violence, I guess what the, the crux of their argument here is, is twofold right now. They're saying that the President of the United States was exercising his constitutional rights under the First Amendment, that is, free speech, and that all of this talk by the Democrats, which was uh, very graphic, was resting on reports. It's reported in the press, it's reported this way, it's reported that way. And that's not a good legal basis. They're not relying on constitutional law, and that 
And then they've gone on at great length, Scott, to show the Democrats also go, go on record as saying you have to fight, you have to fight, you have to fight. Wow. Narrowing down, narrowing down the charge of insurrection to the one speech just beforehand where the president says you have to fight. Uh, you know, a lot of people will will watch a case go through any court of law, and legally the person might get off, but everybody knows that person is guilty and the trouble that they caused. Is that what we're going to have here? Well, I think we've talked about it, that really there's, um, I think, several things going on. First of all, something really egregious happened. And it had to be dealt with, and it had to be dealt with by the Senate, it really by the Congress. Congress itself was attacked, and what we saw in the opening round of this by the Democrats was even more graphic images of why this had to be dealt with. That, there was no way out of, out of this. The Republicans couldn't duck. Uh, they themselves were you know, involved in, in the, uh, as targets and as witnesses. This had to be dealt with. So that's the very first thing that has to be said. The second is that... Uh, really, this is for history. That is, the arguments being laid out on both sides are going to go down in history as mm-hmm. part of what the Trump presidency was about one way and another, and it will be there. But also, along with that, this is really an argument not only for the Senate, but for the votes of the broader public, the sentiment of the broader public, the future of Trump and the party, the future of the Republican Party. So what's going on in part is and I want to emphasize this uh, as my third point, what we are really seeing is this is the struggle for the future of of political power in America. 2022 is coming, 2024 is coming. The Democrats are trying to lay the case right now that they should be allowed to, in effect, to, uh, (laughs) to thwart history and to hold power in the House because they only have a handful of seats now as a majority. Typically, the party in power loses out. Besides, Republicans are in state legislatures can redistrict away a lot of the a lot of the Democrats already there. So, this is a struggle for power there, and also a struggle for power in 2024 because the Democrats would like to win uh, a re-election for the Democratic Party at that time. So, a lot of what we see right now is a struggle for power. But I think what has been underestimated is the degree to which this is a struggle for power inside the Republican Party. Hmm. There is a, I'm trying to find a better word than ferocious, but there's really a ferocious struggle of power, a struggle for power right now. And what you're seeing is how it's going to play out, because the Republican Party has to deal with Trump. And the, uh, the bulk of the Republicans who want to become president next time are saying our way of doing it is to stick with Trump. He'll either uh, not run at all, which is what they're mm. quietly hoping, or at least you know they will be as part of the victorious team. Supported, so you have yeah. Marco Rubio and and of course uh, Cruz and Hawley. Uh, they've they've now placed their bets, and a lot of the Republicans are placing their bets. Nikki Hawley, Nikki Haley. Have you followed this one, Scott? Nikki Haley's? I remember at the beginning. I don't know her position is on the latest after this presentation, though. Well, well this is really interesting. She, uh, she clearly is running for president, and she's deciding on the other side. You know, Tom Cotton is trying to decide where he comes down on this. Nikki Haley has now said, I still love the guy. I supported him, but the guy I loved and supported 
is not what I see since Janu- since the election, mm. the denial. I am breaking with him. I am breaking with him. So they are placing their bets now. Uh, Mike Pompeo is just staying quiet and on the sidelines. What we are seeing now is a struggle inside the Republicans for who's going to lead that party. And meanwhile, Scott, serious Republicans are talking about leaving the party. Many, many are leaving at the state levels now. Registrations are dropping, going to the independents. But also, should they actually form a third party? Hmm. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, you know, is anybody thinking of the long game here? Uh, you know, many people have said, which side of history do you want to be on in all of this? Uh, soon Donald Trump will eventually, well, some say peter out, lose his his uh, his influence over this party. But this party is very much at a crossroads now and is setting up its future for the next decade. Uh, is there not, and, and I'm sure we've chatted about this before, is there not a Republican leader that can satisfy the needs of those who love the policy and, and love the party and not, yet not create anarchy? Like, is this the only guy that can, you know, that can bring the party forward? Is this the only option? Because if it is, I honestly, Elliot, don't see this party getting elected again for a very long time. Because I don't think Americans are going to make the same mistake twice. That's an open question. Uh, yeah, and very Canadian, and very naive from a Canadian perspective, I might add. Well, uh, not, no, I think that's a very. Uh, I think it's a central question that you've raised. We do not know whether Donald Trump will or will not fade. Will the loyalty stick with him or not? Right now, ninety uh, percent of the Republican Party thinks that he should be exonerated. Exonerated uh, in this. Uh, trial that's going on in front of us as we speak. 90% of the Democrats think he should be uh, convicted and removed from... Remember, what we're talking about is not removal from office, but from ability to run again. Yes, you're quite right, and you and I have talked about this. The party's really at a crossroads. Uh, The predominance of of, of the party right now would favor Trump. He still has control over the party faithful and the local machinery, so that any Democrat, any Republican that crosses him now at a federal level, has to face backlash back home, and that's going on. Liz Cheney's paying a high cost right now. So obviously, Elliot, there's those that, you know, they think the election was stolen. They think, you know, know, it's the hard base. They're going to think what they want to think, and we all know who they are. But but let's be honest here, and, and I don't think I'm taking sides here by saying Donald Trump fooled a tremendous amount uh, of of Americans, he fooled a lot of voters into thinking that the election was fixed. And after this long, drawn-out investigation and whatever, and of course, there's always little things here and there. That's typical of any election. But anything that would change the outcome in every single state, all levels of government, even the Supreme Court that he you know, appointed all of these judges to, they all said, no, <laughs> it's over. How are those people feeling now? Because I'm sure that there's still some there that think, yep, for some reason, out of all of these elections we've had in 200 some odd years, this one was fake. This one was fixed. And all the rest were fine. But what about those people? Are they sitting there now and going, wow, we were duped. We were, we were told to think something and then watched all of the legal systems, all of the process in America prove him wrong. And yet they still believe. Yeah. 
what we have. I mean, honestly, that's up there with the world is is flat. The I think there's an immediate situation, and then the broader, a much bigger question. Immediately, right now, the Trump defense and, uh, team is arguing that the Democrats are motivated by hate, and that cancel culture, constitutional cancel culture, that's the phrase of the day, I think, coming out of the trial. But then you broaden that out to the bigger picture is a lot of Americans have been convinced, one, by, by culture wars, essentially, and perhaps by other things, that they need a voice, and Donald Trump was that voice. Mm-hmm. The fact that they feel the need for a voice, and they are willing to give it, you know, Donald Trump, uh, that role, that remains. Whether Trump is there or not, there's a huge number of Americans who feel yeah. that they are not being heard, that they are being uh, ignored, they're being overlooked. So the, the dominant emotion of the Trump base, and the Trump base is the Republican Party of America, is rage. We just, we just, yeah, they're disenfranchised about, about, and the Republicans are excellent at stoking that rage. And the, can they ever come back from that? Well, uh, as long as, you know, <laughs> comforting the, the rich and <laughs> kicking the poor and stoking, stoking the, uh, uh, afflicting the poor, really, and then stoking culture wars. Culture wars work in America. <sighs> Unbelievable. It's going to be fascinating to watch this. Uh, it, it certainly feels like America is at a turning point here. Elliot Tepper with us, Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University. Elliot, always fascinating. Thanks so much for the time. Be well. Have a great weekend. And same to you. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.